Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we are very excited to have all of you with us today. If you have not been with us over the past few weeks, we have been doing a series entitled Christian Chaos. Kind of like that. Christian Chaos. In, in other words, what we've been talking about is, is the Christian world, the church as we know it, has been thrown into a world of chaos, and we have got to do something or we're going to become extinct. We've got to change or we're going to die If you just look at the numbers across the board of churches around the country, it's steadily getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We are somewhat of an anomaly in here that our numbers are kind of growing. I don't know, maybe we have great coffee. But across the board, numbers are going down. And so we have to figure out what we're going to do. Every year at the end of the year... David casts out his vision for this ne- the upcoming year. So at the end of 07, he said, in 08, this is where we're going. And last year, his plan was, I don't know, we'll, we'll listen to God and see what happens. But we don't have a formula anymore. See, the thing is, a long time ago, there were all kinds of formulas out there to do church. There were all kinds of places that, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you just build a really pretty, beautiful building and campus, people will come and pack it because it's beautiful. And that was the mindset for a long time, and for a long time it worked. And then there was another, another strain of thought, and it was run by Willow Creek and Saddleback, and those were the two that were really pushing it and carrying it forward. And those are huge churches, one in Southern California, one in Chicago. And basically, they said, come, see what we are doing, and be like us, and people will come. And that is kind of a prescribed method to reach people. You know, you you all dress on stage a certain way. Your volunteers all dress a certain way. You all, uh, it's volunteer-driven. It's kind of take care of the people inside-driven. When someone comes on campus, let's make it the most enjoyable experience for their life. You know, I mean, they come in on campus, and we make it the most enjoyable experience for them so that they will come back. doesn't really work anymore. In that video, I mentioned Romans chapter 10, and I've talked about it a lot in here over the past few weeks, that Paul says, how will they know? I mean, essentially he says, those who call on the name of God will be saved. Those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. But then he says, but how can they call on the name of someone they've not met? And how can they know about someone unless they hear about it? And how will they hear about him unless we preach it? How are they going to know about Jesus Christ and about His saving grace? How are they going to know unless we tell them? You know, for years and years and years, what we've done is come to us and we will tell you. Come to us and we will tell you. We're going to put forward a, you know, a great show for you. We're going to, uh, this is in the New Heights realm, we are going to put forward a great show. We're going to program stuff. We're going to get some videos. We're going to get a drama. We're going to get some great musicians up here. We're going to do all these things. And we're going to tell you about Christ. Come to us. You know, it seems kind of funny if you step back and think about it. Because here's the deal. We have the greatest message of all time. The greatest, I've I've got the greatest news of all time. I I mean, nothing can come close to touching this. Nothing. I have the best news ever. But I'm going to sit right here and wait for you to come so that I can share it with you. I'm just going to sit right here in, in my church and I'm going to prepare for the day that you come. But I'm just going to wait on you. And when you get here, you're going to be blown away. You're going to hear it. You're going to feel God. 
going to be awesome. But I'm going to wait for you. And that seems so counterintuitive to the way our world works, doesn't it? I mean, a few weeks ago, uh, Daryl and I are kind of uh, Apple snobs now. We both have Apple computers, and we both have iPhones, and we believe that Bill Gates is indeed the devil incarnate. And we, you know, we, we have all these different theories and ideas that we spout around our office and try to infect the rest of the church with our genius. But um, it, it, one of the things that Steve Jobs does, he's the, the founder and the current CEO of Apple right now, is he has every year a big show in San Francisco, and he unveils his latest things. And at the end of it, he says, he has this, he's like Columbo. He's got a Columbo deal. At the end of it, he goes, oh, one more thing. Last year, it was the iPhone. He said, oh, one more thing. Here's something that's going to change the world, essentially. And if you see everything that's gone on since he introduced the iPhone, he was right. A lot of things, a lot of companies are trying to keep up and catch up and try to kill the iPhone. There's a phone out there that says it's the iPhone killer and these things. This year, he introduced the MacBook Air, which is uh, a... Uh, it's about that thin. It's a laptop about that thin. If you haven't seen it, it's crazy small. But he knows. He's like, I have, got, I have got something good, and I've got to make a big deal about it. I've got to make this. I mean, everybody goes, and they listen to his talk, and they're like, okay, great. You're going to start renting movies on iTunes, which, by the way, is really cool. And you're going to start doing this. Okay, yeah, la, 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 la. But I'm waiting for that one thing. I'm waiting. They're all waiting for the end. You know those uh, journalists are on their blogs waiting for him to say, oh, and one more thing. So they can just get it out there to let the world know. And he knows what he's He's got something great, and he doesn't want to sit on it. He doesn't want to say, you know, I have something that's so incredible and wonderful, and it's going to make me a gazillionaire, and it's going to change the world. And it's going to make people's lives easier and everything. He's going to wait for him to come to me, though. As soon as they come up to Cupertino, California, come in our offices, we'll let them know about it. I mean, he would fail. He'd be, we'd never hear about him again. And yet that's how we operate. We have something that is better than any, any invention, anything ever. But we're going to say, come in here. Come in here. Now, don't get me wrong. Our church is very good, and we've been very intentional about leaving the walls of the church. Over the past few years, we have stressed that greatly. Get outside the church. Get outside the walls of the church. The building doesn't matter. The church is right here. We are the church, and we need to take it to the world. And we've started some incredible missions programs. Our border ministries down in Piedras Negras, uh, Mexico, just, I mean, very close to us, has grown so much. It's amazing. If, I don't know if any of you have been on one of the trips, but if, if you speak to someone that has been down there and been with those kids at Casa, Casa Bethesda, which is a special needs orphanage in Mexico, or been with the kids at the Alleluia House, changes their life. We go down there and we share the gospel. We serve. We're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ down there in the border towns. That's great. That's wonderful. And we need to do that. And God calls us to do that. And God goes out and says, feed my sheep, take care of my people and do that. Then we go to the south side or down underneath the bridge. And once a month, we have a group of volunteers that cook. I mean, a lot of times we can smell them cooking, right? During the Sunday morning services, we can, it wafts out, you know, especially if they're using onions and garlic. It's a great day for everyone. And, and they go down and they feed homeless people that need food. And they have a service, a uh, worship service down there at that time. And they just spend time talking with them and praying with them and being the hands and feet of Christ there. That's great. And a wonderful ministry. We have the Hope Center back there in F-103 that, that opens its doors to people coming in 
that need help, that need assistance, that maybe need some immediate food, we take care of that. Then we say, okay, how can we get you on the right track so that you don't need this anymore? So that you're earning it for yourself, so that you're taking care of yourself. How can we help you get into that point of life where you're self-sufficient? And we walk with them and they work with them. And I mean, it's a great ministry. But you know, that's not, it's not all about that. We've got to tell people about Jesus Christ, people like you and me. I mean, quite honestly, I, I'm a person, before I really came to this church and before I really got invested in my faith and, and I gave it all to Christ, I said, there was one day I uh, went upstairs to, uh, to the office where Scott Hare was at the time, and I said, uh, you know, there's that little scripture in there that says, pick up your cross and follow me. I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to do that. Before that, before that time, I knew about God. I grew up in the church. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't really have a real relationship with him. And fishing under the bridge wouldn't have reached me. I wasn't homeless. I don't live in a border town. I've never needed, quite clearly, for food. Those things wouldn't have reached me. But I needed to know. But I needed to feel the love of God. In chapter uh, 10 of Luke, the book of Luke, Man, this is so important right here. There's chapter 10 and then Matthew uh, chapter 28. Uh, The Lord now chose 72, verse 1, other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his fields. Verse 3. Listen to this. Go! Go now and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Well, that's kind of a downer. But verse 4, don't take along any money or ever travel bags or even extra pair of sandals and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Go! This is so important. Get out. I mean, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, what does he say? All power and authority has been given to me. So, go. Go. It doesn't say sit. And wait for them to come. All power and authority has been given to me. So sit and wait until they come. And man, we're going to just blow them away. No. And those two things, and those two, and the Great Commission, and right here when he sends out the 72, what does he say? Go. Go into the world. Get outside of the temple. Get outside of the synagogues. Go into the world. Get outside of your little families and your clans. Don't stop... He says, don't stop to greet anyone on the road. I mean, don't stop and find your neighbor that you know goes here and you're like, hey, it's Craig Duncan. What's up, Craig? How's it going? Yeah, great, great, great. No, go. Craig's saved. He's our prayer ministry leader. He's good. Say howdy to him, but keep going. Because there's somebody that doesn't know. There's somebody that doesn't know Craig. Doesn't know that they can come up here after services and pray with Craig and our prayer team. Go. Go into the world. Stop waiting for them to come to you because this is too important. I mean, it's like Jesus Christ says, oh, one more thing. Salvation. Now go. And that's what we need to do. We need to go. I'm so excited that Daryl is playing the rodeo uh, on Wednesday. Uh, It's kind of, I mean, uh, that's Ash Wednesday, for those of you that don't follow the liturgical calendar. It's Ash Wednesday is on on, Wednesday. this coming Wednesday, and there will be an Ash Wednesday service here in the sanctuary at 6.30. And if you're close by and you want to come to that service, it's always a very holy and spiritual service. Please do so. 
Or if you want to go out, be a part of the world, go to the rodeo, to the Bud Light stage. That's right. I said it correctly. The Bud Light stage where Daryl Smith and Stacy and AJ and the Chapter 3 Ministries will be sharing the gospel through the music. That's cool. It's right next to the Crown Royal Tent, right outside the AT&T Center. You walk out, Bud Light stage, Crown Royal Tent, Jesus. Bam! I mean, duh. Where do you think God would have gone? Where do you think he would have gone? Do you think he would have sat in this? No, he's like, dude, I'm going there. What about Paul? I mean, Paul walks into Ephesus, the Las Vegas of the day. He goes into Ephesus and he stands in the middle and he's like, Jesus loves you. And they want to kill him. Thousands of people in this stadium are like, they want to kill Paul. I mean, they are ticked at Paul. They want to kill him. And he wants to run into the middle of it and go, no, seriously, guys, you just don't understand about this Christ thing. His followers, his disciples wouldn't let him, thankfully. But not, not that he was saved from a horrible death, but go. I mean, the disciples got it. Why? Because Jesus told them. He said, go, get out of here. Scurry along your ways. Now, sure, there were some people left behind. Peter stayed behind. He stayed and he ran the church because the church supported the ministries. And it was important to have the church, to have a place for people to come and to do Sunday schools and Bible schools and prayer ministries and music ministries and all of the things that we do. It is important to come together as a body of Christ and to worship God. There's nothing like it. That is what the picture of heaven is, coming together and singing hallelujah praises to God. It is important to come to the table of Christ and to accept the gift of freedom and salvation and reconciliation that he offers. But when you're doing all that, remember that God says, go. Get out, because this is too important. Daryl's doing it Wednesday. We did it through Riverside. We went out to a part of the town that is growing, and more families and more families are moving out there, and there weren't many churches. So we were called to go out there. And the way we did it is we started a coffee shop. The Lost. It's on the right side of 281 if you're heading out towards Marble Falls. And basically the whole intention was to get into the world, into people's lives, into something that they do constantly and every day, and to begin a relationship with them, and to begin a conversation with them. And maybe for a while a guy comes in and his name is Bill. And you don't know much about Bill, but you know his name is Bill. And then a little bit later you find out what Bill does. And then a little bit later you find out some of the struggles Bill has in his life. And maybe there's a door opening. And eventually after time, because it doesn't work anymore to say you're going to die tonight. Do you know where you're going? Yeah, to another coffee shop. But over time you get to know Bill. And Bill begins to trust you. Say, you know what, Bill, can I pray for you? That's how they started. And they're going so strong out there. So strong. You may have noticed that I'm wearing an apron today. David and Mark are also wearing aprons in the sanctuary. They were supposed to wear robes today because it is Communion Sunday, and they wear robes in the sanctuary. But I handed the aprons to David and Mark uh, this morning, and they're like, you know what, I guess we will wear these. And as we were walking downstairs um, this morning for the 830 service, David said, you know, really, this is more like what a robe would have been in the first and second century anyway. Because it was about servanthood. It was about seeing what you could do for someone else and to love and to support them. It wasn't about some regal thing where somebody came and bowed before you. I thought, wow, that's why you're the senior pastor. That Dr. Manitsky. 
Go. Plain and simple. The video that you saw, if I don't know if you, you're still probably a little queasy from it. I had a short period of time, and it's a long drive. Is our attempt to go into the world. It's the Foundry Coffee Shop and Community. And it's over on the corner of McCullough and Wiesach. And basically what it is, it's our attempt to go into the world and to carry the flag of Christ. Not overtly. Not as you walk in, we say, Jesus loves you. Can I get you a latte? But it's getting to know Bill and Linda and Jim and Sally and all the people who had frequented it. We will be there on uh, Wednesday evenings. Mark Williams, one of the other pastors here, will be there and have kind of just some informal discussions of, you know, why does the Bible say this? Well, how can you say this? And one, how does Paul say this about women on one side? And then over here he says this about women. And how do you rectify uh, the war in Iraq with the Bible? And it's just going to be an open conversation about religion. And Mark says, I want people who hate the Bible to come. It's like, dude, yeah, that guy's got some chutzpah. And then Thursday nights, I will be there, and, and, uh, and hopefully Daryl and AJ, and we'll be doing a worship service. It won't be like this necessarily. It'll be an informal deal where the coffee shop's going, the espresso machine's going, whatever, and, and it's just a time to come in and to, to kind of infuse a little bit of Christ into the community. It'll be open every day, Monday through Friday. We need volunteers. If you want to get one of these cool, keen, I've already had people ask me for one of these. I said, great, come volunteer. It's free, man. Jesus didn't hand out sandals, did he? No, he said, don't take an extra pair of sandals. Go out there. (laughs) If you want more information about this, about uh, our attempt to go into the community and to reach people so so that we can begin to truly affect the community, not just here, but all across the city. Um, come see me, come see Cindy, anybody that's wearing one of these today, uh, they should know something about it. Um, <laughs> or they've stolen one, and we need to have a different conversation. <laughs> David uh, told me a, uh, a little analogy this morning that he was going to end with. And I listened to him at 8.30 because I didn't get him um, beforehand. I'm slow. And, uh, and it makes complete sense. And he said, there's been a few movies where the pursuit of everything was this. The Da Vinci Code, Indiana Jones, they were searching and in pursuit of this cup. This cup that contained the blood of Christ. That contained the blood of Christ. And, and you know, David said, it's, you know, the cup in and of itself is that vessel which holds the Christ, which holds Christ, the church. But what makes the cup powerful, what makes the blood powerful, is that it was poured out. And the church is the thing that contains that blood of Christ. But what makes us powerful is that we are poured out into the world. So go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life and freedom that you have given us. Lord, I thank you so much that you have given us the ability to move into our community. To move in ways that... uh, Maybe the church of the 1950s or earlier doesn't, doesn't recognize. Gives them a little, uh, a little queasiness to think of some of the things that we do. But, but God, thank you for giving us direction and, and guidance in how we can reach the world. Help all of us, Lord, to hear your call as, as you call each one of us. Not to sit back and to wait for somebody to come to them, but to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that you have commanded. 
you say at the very end of that great commission, a promise. And we hold strong to that. And very truly, I will be with you. I will be with you to the very end of the age. We thank you and praise you. Amen.